Hey guys, welcome to the History of Vikings. Before we begin today's show, I have a very exciting piece of news to share with you, and that is that the History of Vikings podcast is now proudly sponsored by a company known as the Froggy Viking. They make beautiful hand-carved drinking horns, and I encourage you to check out their website, thefroggyviking.com, but more from them later. If you enjoy the History of Vikings, then do me a favor and write me a review, as I would love to hear your feedback. And the more reviews the show gets, the easier it is for people to find. Also, you can always feel free to contact me with any questions, episode ideas, or Viking-related guests that you think I should have on the show. My email is noah at thehistoryofvikings.com. Again, that's noah at thehistoryofvikings.com. Now, on with the show. Greetings, everyone. This is Andrew. And this is Caleb. We host the Iroquois History and Legends podcast. We dive into a deep, dark part of history that very few people have ever covered. We cover the history and culture of the Iroquois League, also known as the Haudenosaunee, or Six Nations. United together, they formed a representative government that predates all democracy in the Western Hemisphere. They interacted with almost every major European power that was involved in North America. Yet, you seem to know nothing about them. Round out your knowledge. Look us up. We're Iroquois History and Legends. I-R-O-Q-U-O-I-S. Iroquois History and Legends. Before we get into today's episode, I want to recommend an excellent history podcast called History Time. It's hosted by my good friend Pete Kelly and can be found wherever you get your podcasts from. Travel back in time to some of the most fascinating moments in human history. Witness colossal sea battles involving tens of thousands of men. Take part in pagan blood rituals in the mysterious forests of northern Europe and engage in highly orchestrated tribal warfare within pre-Columbian Mesoamerica. All this and more from the comfort of your own living room slash bus to work slash toilet throne on the History Time podcast. Do be sure to check it out. I'm very excited for today's episode because it's just loaded with so much to talk about. Uh, we have so much to talk about and uh, we're welcoming back Siobhan Clark uh, to the show. She is, of course, the author of the uh, Viking adventure novel, The Children of Midgard, which I implore you to check out. I've just purchased my copy and I've actually uh, been reading it with my mom. So that's been really fun. But I do encourage you to pick up a copy of The Children of Midgard and I will put a link to it in the description below. Siobhan, thank you so much for joining me again today on the History of Vikings. Oh, thank you so much for having me back, Noah. Um, it's just such a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you back. Now, I'm really excited to get into today's topic because we're kind of talking about the Vindland Saga. And while we're talking about the Vindland Saga as sort of a whole, uh, we're going to be really focusing on uh, three leading female characters featured in those sagas. And 
I just think it's super fascinating to talk about women during the Viking Age because unfortunately there's not enough content out there, I think. But uh, that's something I'm really trying to do more of on the show as well as get into more of the sagas. So today's episode will be a, a great, a great one, I think. Uh, so Vinland Saga. I'm not too familiar with that saga, and I know perhaps some of our listeners are, maybe others are not, but could you just give us a sort of introduction to the Vinland Saga? Sort of, what is it about? Who are sort of the key characters in that saga? Okay, so um, the Vinland Sagas are the saga of the Greenlanders and also the saga of Eric the Red. And um, the, the two sagas are linked quite closely because they have a lot of the same key characters in them, although the individual stories about them change a little bit. They're a little bit different. So just as a, a quick kind of overview of both of them, um, the Greenland saga, in that we learn of the first sighting of Vinland, and that's by Bjarni Herljofsson. Um, and then after that, Leif Eriksson, he hears about um, the sighting of this land and wants to set off to explore it. We're also introduced to um, Leif's other brothers, who are Thorvald and Thorstein, and their uh, subsequent journeys to Vinland as well. Um, there, there we, we meet in this saga, Gudrid, and we learn of her marriages and the deaths of two of her husbands, um, one being Thorstein, um, the brother of Leif, um, and another um, who she actually ends up having a quite a successful and long marriage to. Um, finally, in, in this saga, we meet Freydis and we learn of her terrible, terrible actions in Vinland. And... Um, the, the, subsequently, um, her brother Leif finding out about that. So then, if we move over to the saga of Eric the Red, um, we we actually in this saga learn a lot more about the banishment of Eric and his setting off uh, to to Greenland and settling there. We learn more about the youth of Gudrid um, and and of her father, who was actually a, a good friend of Eric's. And in this saga, we meet a great character um, called Thorbjörg, and she was a seeress, um, and she is aided with her visions by Gudrid as well. Um, interestingly, in this saga, we find out that Leif has been asked by King Olaf Tryggvason um, to convert Greenland to Christianity, which he does, um, although his own father, Eric, doesn't convert at all. Um, we learn more about the voyages of Carl Sefni uh, to Vinland, who he actually ends up being Gudrid's last husband. Um, and Freydis makes another appearance again um, with some more um, character traits that are interesting. So in general, that's, that's really where these two sagas lie. That's really interesting. And, you know, of course, this is super basic, but for anybody who may not know this, uh, Vinland is, of course, the new world. That is North America, uh, which the Vikings were the first Europeans to discover. Now, I'm curious because we know that the Vikings did indeed discover North America, but is Vinland Saga to be taken literally? Um, did these deeds and actions that occur in the saga actually happen? Or is there sort of some truth, but then there's an over-exaggeration I would probably go with that. There is some truth. And um, we know that Gudrid was um, an actual person. Um, also Eric the Red and his sons. And um, I think in these tales, there's always probably a little bit of embellishment. Um, and that's what makes them 
such good kind of reading and listening to as well. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's super fascinating. Now, so Vinland Saga is uh, comprised of two different sagas, the Saga of Eric the Red and the Saga of the Greenlanders. So I guess those two sagas that make up the Vinland Saga, what are the differences between those two sagas? And sort of which one comes first chronologically in Viking history? Well, within the sagas, we jump around um, the timeline a little bit. Um, so certainly in the copy that I have, um, the we are introduced to the Greenlander saga first, and then the saga of Eric the Red after that. Um, and the main differences, I would say, is um, in the saga of Eric the Red, we certainly learn a lot more about his banishment um, and also about the voyages um, to, to Vinland um, and a little bit more about what happened there. Both the sagas contain a lot of information. Um, I think possibly uh, I think possibly the saga of the Greenlanders might be slightly longer. Um, and certainly the saga of Eric the Red moves a little quicker. Um, but both are equally as interesting. And if you were to break it down, as I did and made lots and lots of notes, um, there are a lot of subtle differences within the stories as well. So it's good to actually sit down and, and compare them or read them together. And um, you can figure out exactly, you know, where, where it is in the timeline between the characters. So what would you say is your favorite? What are some of your favorite things about the Vindland saga? What are your favorite moments, your favorite stories? As we mentioned before, there's really three female characters that you introduced us to that really play a large role in the saga. So what are your favorite moments in the saga and what do you find particularly fascinating about the Vindland saga? Well, the, the sagas are, are great for um, a good description of three women, um, all very, very different from one another. Um, what's also great is that we are getting a bit of a look at Christianity and um, the, the kind of older faiths starting to fade away. So that's really interesting. Um, I think my personal favourite might be the Greenlander saga. Um, I think that it's, you know, it's just such an interesting tale. Um, it's a little bit more cohesive. It, it kind of gels together a little bit better. Um, in the saga of Eric the Red towards the end, it's jumping around a lot between um, the various voyages of um, Carl Stephanie and things like that. Um, I think that Gudrid is certainly a really interesting character. You can't help but feel sorry for her that um, she loses two husbands um, while she's still very young. But um, certainly, you know, towards um, the, the end of the sagas, she is married to um, Thorfinn Karlsefni and they go on to have a very happy life together. So that's a very nice ending for 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 Gudrid. Um Freda's is quite incredible. Her story is something else and it's one that certainly stuck with me after I read it. Um and then the the Thorbjorg um I think she's got a lovely little part within the saga of Eric the Red too. Um although there is a moment within the saga of Eric the Red that's quite um an interesting story and it's where um Thorstein, um a son of Eric the Red and Gudrid's husband, is dying. And at that moment um they see the I guess the spirits or the ghosts of people that they know um have passed already waiting for them outside the farmhouse. Um so that certainly sends a few chills um up your spine as well. Yeah, I, I'd say. So now where do these where are these sagas set? 
I mean, their names basically give this away, but I always like to break things down for those of us listening who are not very knowledgeable on the Viking Age yet, but are, of course, seeking to learn as much as they can, and that's why they're listening to this podcast. But what's kind of the setting, the geographic location of these sagas? Okay, so um, we start off in Iceland, um, in, in the uh, saga of Eric the Red, um, and then we um, move to Greenland, and then after that we move to Finland, and certainly nobody stays in Finland. They come back, and um, they come back to Greenland and Iceland. So it's between the three separate places that we have the body of movement. Um there is certainly characters that come from Norway, um, such as uh, I think there's a there's a few actually. There's two brothers um, who have dealings with Freydis. They they um, I think actually they're from Iceland, but then there's there's I think Carl uh, Carl He might be from Norway, but certainly the the three main places that of interest and in where we are in the saga is um, Iceland, Greenland, and Vinland. So out of all the sagas, would this, would the Vinland saga have been one of the latest? Because I mean, the discovery of Vinland, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't that happen around the year 1000? Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, They were quite late on uh, these sagas. And um, I I did have a date for one. need to double check on that but they they were they were quite late on certainly um i think towards the end of eric the red's life um and certainly um towards the end of of gudrid's life and she lived to to a very good age as well so um they, they are pretty late on these stories now eric the red and obviously his son uh leif erickson um just sort of this is something i'd like to do could you sort of introduce us to those characters? Because obviously this is the saga of Eric the Red. And um, they're basically the father and son who are the two chief Norse explorers throughout history that discovered um, Greenland and, and eventually North America. So what role do they play in these sagas? Well, um, Eric the Red, so once he was um, banished from uh, Iceland, he became an outlaw. So he went to Greenland and set up a settlement there. He encouraged many, many people that he knew and who were loyal to him um, to come and settle as well. He actually chose the name of Greenland, um, which isn't a very green place, um, to entice people to come and, and stay there. His settlement was successful, although they did have very many harsh winters um their their voyages you know there there was illness um there as well and it was a hard time um certainly setting up in a new place um, when winter comes upon you and you're not entirely sure what to expect um and so Leif Erikson once he heard of the voyage of um Bjarni um Bjarni didn't actually um, go ashore. He just spotted this land and uh, Leif thought this is somewhere I want to explore and, and find out more about. So he um, he actually purchased Bjarni's ship um, and set sail with his crew. And he stayed in Vinland, um, I think it was for a winter, and then journeyed home after that. But while he was there, he built houses and um, certainly the men, they, they did a lot of exploration on the land as well. Um, when he comes back to Greenland, um, he takes over where his father um, kind of left off, really, after Eric dies. Um, he is responsible then um, for 
the the people there um, for the settlement. And um, when he, he discovers the actions of Freydis, it's him who decides whether um, she should be punished or not. Now, I guess my next question is, we talked about some of the fascinating aspects of the I should say of these sagas, um, the saga of the Greenlanders and the saga of Eric the Red, which make up collectively the Vinland saga. But one thing that's always fascinated me is, you know, the Vikings were indeed the first Europeans to discover North America. In the saga, do we get a glimpse of what life was like in their settlement in North America at all? They're, they're in granted their short-lived time in North America, but do we get any sort of a, a look into that? And um, I believe they even encountered some uh, Native Americans who they referred to as scrailing. So what does that look like? So um, on their journey, they stop off at various locations before their final settlement where they stayed for the winter. Um, and the, the place that they actually chose to stay was quite fertile, really. So um, the rivers were quite abundant in fish. Uh, they could hunt. And there were a lot of deer um, in the, the woodlands and things like that. So um, they, they didn't have um, a terribly hard time when they were wintering. So that was that was very good for them, um, and yet certainly the the natives, um, Native Americans, do um, play quite a large uh, role in the decision of uh, the Vikings or uh, the the expedition actually leaving and the subsequent journeys there. Um, the descriptions are quite varied, but they do describe people who um, are quite in awe and afraid um, to start with, but very quickly decide that they would like to trade um, with the, the newcomers. Um, this is, is quite delicate ground and the, the first trading goes not too badly. However, the, the second, subsequent uh, times that they try to do that, it doesn't go so well. Um, and the, the um, natives there want to try and understand what these weapons are that um, the newcomers have, which leads to a dispute. Um, subsequently, the, there's not an integra integration between the newcomers and the, the Native um, Americans who were already there. So it's it's really interesting part of the That's story. That's interesting. So does is there any sort of mention of, of conflict or, or battling between the Native Americans and the Vikings? Hey guys, I wanted to take this moment to hear a brief word from our sponsor. Aren't you tired of the same old plastic cups at parties? Want to feel like you're on set in Cottagate or Winterfell? Well, our sponsor could solve these problems. The Froggy Viking is your source for all types of Viking drinkware. Their one-of-a-kind drinking horns are a great conversation piece for any Norse Viking enthusiast. These horns are highly polished and have a food-safe grade lacquer that makes them great for cold liquids. I can promise you that their horns are of the highest quality, and I'm quite excited for my own tanker to arrive in the mail. Please check them out at thefroggyviking.com, and they are also on social media at thefroggyviking. All of you listening to this can receive 10% off your order when you use the code VIKINGS10 at checkout. Again, please head over to thefroggyviking.com and receive 10% off your one-of-a-kind drinking horn when you use the code VIKINGS10. At checkout. Take it away, Siobhan. 
Okay. Um, yep. So there there are um, confrontations between the Native um, Americans and the Vikings. Um, it, it occurs in both of the sagas. So when Carl Sefney, um, when his group are there, they begin trading, and um, the the natives you know, want weapons, which Karlsefni completely forbids anybody to trade with. In the Greenlander saga, um, this results in one of the Native Americans being killed. Um, there's a fight after that, and Karlsefni decides, you know, this is not worth it, we're just going to head home, and they leave. And in the saga of Eric the Red, it's a very similar story. Um, so they have uh, another confrontation against overtrading. Um, this time the, the battle is a little bit more fierce and there are some lives lost on each side. Again, after that confrontation, the Vikings decide that they're going to leave because they don't want to be in a place where they're open to attack. Um, and th- there is no warning that, that this is coming at all. Um, interestingly, in the um, saga of Eric the Red, Freydis comes into uh, play in one of these particular fights with the Native Americans. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, that's always been something that I've pondered about. And it's one of those moments in history where two cultures vastly different from each other meet for the first time. Um, you know, I, I can just picture these Vikings in their, you know, metal helmets and iron weapons and tools and their chain mail and their their armor and their their possibly even tattoos meeting these native americans who as far as we know use mostly you know stone tools stone weapons um um we're very keen on the the bone and arrow and i suppose it depends on what tribe you're referring to in north america but i think that um when talking about native american weapons that kind of goes for most of the tribes but just that confrontation for the first time you know uh, certainly there would have been difficulty understanding each other especially because the native dialects of the um, native americans would have been completely different from old norse and what the vikings would have been speaking i can't imagine what that would have looked like and just the surprise especially because these native americans i think it would be fair to say that would have been the first time they would have ever seen a a white man, and probably for the Vikings too, although we do know they would have come into contact with some darker skinned people in Byzantium and in the Middle East. Absolutely. Um, I think there there was a bit of fear on both sides um, from reading um, the, the sagas, and they were so, so different. Um, you know, the, the, the language difference and things like that, and the technology level that you know the the Vikings had was quite different to what the the North Americans had. Um, the the dispute over weapons. There's a, a a fantastic part in the Greenlander saga, where after um, a fight, one of the Native Americans picks up an axe, um, and he looks at it and he studies it, um, and then he he actually hits one of his own men with it and discovers exactly what it can do. And he's so appalled by this that he throws it into the sea, um, and th- th- it's incredible that the one thing that they were fighting over actually you know is is not wanted in the end and it's just a it's a wonderful wow. part of the story. Yeah, I didn't know that was included. That's uh that's a fascinating scene. Wow. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. Kind of the whole thing that they had disputed over in the end it was all pointless. 
Yeah, definitely. It was really interesting when I was reading it. And um, and I think in, in the saga of Eric the Red, the axe is lifted again by um, the the North American chap. And he they, what they do is they try it out on the trunk of a tree and discover that, oh my goodness, this is you know cutting into the tree really well. And so then they try it on a stone, which um, fractures the blade. Again, they think, well, this is worthless and throw it away. Um, so it's quite quite interesting the different kind of um, tales um, within the, the two sagas about the same kind of yeah, event. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Um, the Vinland Saga, that's fascinating. And I was just talking to another podcaster who was interested in doing a, a series on this topic. So I'll be sure to um, definitely mention many of the things we've talked about in today's episode so far. But my next question, I guess, is, you know, oh, there's just so much in these sagas, but... Uh, again, just why don't you, with some of the notes that you've taken, what are some of the the key things that key takeaways from this saga? Just key events, things that are very interesting, really special moments as well. What would you say? Oh, absolutely! Gosh, you're definitely right. There are so many, and I took so many notes, and um, it was just actually so much fun to get back into the sagas again and reading them. Um, and you know, it's it's one of those. There's so many layers to these stories, which is which is really interesting when you start breaking it down as well. But um, I would say in in the Greenlander saga, um, I really found that interesting um, from the point of view of exploration um, of Leaf and how determined he was to go um, to this new land. And that's always something that I found really interesting with um, the Vikings was this idea of exploration and wanting to discover um, you know this new world. Um, and then the, 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 I think probably learning of poor Gudrid and um, her losing two husbands at such a young age, um, that's really interesting as well. And um, certainly I think the, the, for me um, in the Greenlander saga, it'll be Freydis and her terrible acts of um, malice, I would say, um, You know when she is in Vinland, which is just a thoroughly thoroughly interesting part of the story and um you know even if you only read that alone it's definitely worth it um and in the saga of eric the red again there's so much happening it was really interesting to learn about the banishment of of eric and um it's quite incredible that the the man that he um ends up dealing with and um how he ends up receiving his banishment from iceland they they go on to forgive each other um which is is quite incredible as well um again this Ceres Thorbjorn is just such an incredible scene and I love the description um of her outfit and that whole part of the saga it's got quite a magical and mystical feel to it which certainly it, it should do um and then again we learn a little bit more about Gudrid and the rest of her life and her husband's when they they eventually um live out certainly for her husband's uh, remaining years in Iceland so there's just so so many many parts and um you know and and the the actual time that they spend in Vinland as well is is just incredibly oh, yes. interesting and just the topic of women during the viking age has always been fascinating to me ever since we did um our first episode on it with um Johanna it just um extremely fascinating because women during the vi or I should say Norse women or viking women uh were very different in a way from uh, the women of other cultures and societies in medieval Europe in that they certainly they weren't, you know, they didn't have every right that uh, a man would, but they, they certainly had a lot more freedom and 
I feel as though perhaps their place in society was was more and more valued. You know, they could sue for divorce. Um, they could um, own property, which is humongous. Um, they could, you know, they were responsible for the production of textiles and cloth, which, uh, although that sounds like it wouldn't be a big deal, it actually was a huge deal because when you, you know, lived during the middle Middle Ages, cloth was crucial to daily life, and you know, with um, d- making the sail for the Viking ship, which oftentimes would be even more expensive than the ship itself, um, just you know, that's that's fascinating and. This is something that we don't know a lot about, but we're definitely learning more and more and more. And when I just kind of research women during the Viking Age, you know, I find all different sorts of things, whether it be from, um, you know, just the Viking women at home, while, um, you know, there's kind of this whole shield maiden discussion going on, whether Norse women went off uh, and fought in battle. Uh, it's just fascinating, you know, all of the different possibilities. And I guess we'll never know for sure, but we are um, seeking more and more knowledge on this topic. But what do you find particularly fascinating about sort of women in general during the Viking Age? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess like you, um, I, I find it really interesting. The, um, I guess the 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 rights that women had, um, they had a lot more than than a lot of other kind of women in Europe at, at the time, which is just quite incredible. Um, so on the one hand, they have um, all these kind of, I guess, um, rights to manage the finances and they ran the household when the husbands were absent and they could get divorced and things like that. So they didn't have to stay in a marriage, especially if um, it was an unhappy marriage where um, perhaps there was a, an aspect of violence or something to it. Um, that absolutely was frowned upon and it wasn't acceptable. So um, so I find that really interesting. Um, but then, of course, they, they didn't have the right to, to vote really in any political activities that were going on. And they weren't allowed to speak at the thing. Um, they couldn't become a chieftain of a settlement or anything like that. Um, and a woman came under the authority of um, her father or her brother. And certainly when she marries her husband, um, I found something else, something else that I find quite interesting is this idea that um, also the, the, it was completely frowned upon and not acceptable at all for a woman to wear men's clothing or to cut her hair in the fashion of, of a man. Um, and carrying weapons was also prohibited as well. Um, so there's just there's so much that's interesting. And again, like yourself, reading about the shield maidens or women who um, took part in raiding or anything like that, it's, it's, I guess it must be so hard um, to actually definitively prove um, just from kind of grave um, sites and things like that if a woman had been a warrior as such. Um, and I know when I was researching it, um, I came across a, a really interesting article that um, pointed out um, bioarchaeology. Um, so apparently bone pathologies, um, if you, um, as many uh, Viking um, women did, helped in the fields um, or you chopped wood, then you might show the same sort of bone growth and wear and tear as somebody who had swung a sword, um, which is incredibly interesting. So how would you be able to define 
you know, what this woman had done. Also, um, artifacts within the grave, like grave goods. And um, so a warrior would usually be um, buried with um, swords and shields and bows and arrows and things like that. But arrowheads have been found in the graves of, of Viking women. So it's so hard without, you know, um, I guess, real hard concrete evidence yeah it there. really it's, it's is hard to and see i i'm glad that more and more people are giving this subject attention because i i hope that and i'm sure you know that um as we continue to um uncover more burials and our technology gets better we'll we'll definitely become more and more sure of the past Oh, absolutely. I think so. We, we, we're always continuously learning more. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just a real um, kind of interest of mine to, um, you know, keep reading and learning and, you know, all about. Siobhan, thank you so much for joining me again today. It's always a treat to have you on the show. And uh, I do implore people listening to pick up a copy of your book, The Children of Midgard. You can find it probably the easiest place is Amazon.com. And I'll put a link to that in the description below. Also put a link to Siobhan's Twitter and her website so you can uh, be sure to stay in touch with her there. Um, and of course, I'll put links to um, my YouTube channel and in my Twitter as well. And uh, I do hope you uh, check out all those things and uh, join the conversation. Siobhan, thank you so much for joining me again today on the History of Vikings. Thank you, Noah. Um, again, it's been an absolute joy. I've had a wonderful time. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. Well, if you enjoyed the History of Vikings, do me a favor and write me a review. You can always feel free to contact me. My email is noah at thehistoryofvikings.com. Thank you all so much for listening to the History of Vikings. Join us right here again next week. Thank you